Welcome back. Uh, we're here uh, again. Dylan, good to see you. Good to see you, Zach. How you doing? Uh, doing so good, man. Doing so good. Everybody, uh -huh. welcome to another episode of Talking Upstream on IBM TV. Uh, this is the show where some nobodies, Zach, Zach, and then my friend Dylan over here, uh, what we do is we get together and we kind of just uh, chat about stuff. And we work on stories, we work on podcasts, we write movies, uh, and we try to sell them. And one way we try to do that is by talking ourselves up to a streaming service, hence the name Talking Upstream. And what we're trying to do is go ahead and just uh, give it the old college try and just we're make trying. some money. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, two things this week, Dylan, uh, unfortunately. Uh, we haven't heard back from any streaming service just yet. Um, I wanted to pitch the idea of maybe starting our own streaming service. What do you think about that? Oh, let's see. Yeah, why not? Why not? You can't get anyone else to do it for us. Why not do it ourselves? Yeah, okay. So instead of going to streaming services, we're just looking for $6 million yeah. to start our own Quibi. Um, and the second one is, unfortunately, these new dry erase markers I picked up today are low odor. Uh-oh. So, so you're going to be sober. Dude, I don't know if the story is going to be as good All as right. they normally are. So. All right, we'll see what happens. Luckily, we've got someone here to help us out with that. Oh, yeah? I think so. Who is it? All right. So uh, this guy, he runs this little show. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, his name is Jeff, Jeff Dwoskin, and his show is Live from Detroit. It's a Jeff Dwoskin show. And uh, let's get him in here. I get him in here. There we oh, go. Let me, <laughs> let, me call you, let me call you back. Oh, I'm sorry. I was... I was just finalizing. I'm starting my own streaming service. Oh. Hey, I told you, Dylan, this thing happens fast. Once we get this in the Man. rolling, it goes. These podcast ah. circles are just full of imitators. <laughs> Bits on demand. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jeff Waskin, how are you, sir? Great. How are you great. guys? So good to be here. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, Dylan's probably okay. I'm doing I'm great. fine. Yeah, Dylan's usually fine. Like That's his top. <laughs> uh, are, are you actually live from Detroit? Right now, I am well a suburb of Detroit. <laughs> which which suburb? Oh, rather not say. But oh, the uh... <laughs> I lived in Ypsilanti in Ann Arbor for a long time, so I'm familiar okay. with that area. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, just outside of Detroit. Mostly, well, now more people live in Detroit than growing up. You'd always say, "Oh, I'm from Detroit," and everyone would go, oh, "Right," and because that's what they knew. Mm -hmm. And so, no, you never said exactly where you were from. So. That's Cause that's where they know they yeah. everyone knows detroit now they know ann arbor too because of michael phelps oh but, yeah but you know because that's where he trained in ann arbor and university of michigan it's kind of kind of popular i was gonna say <laughs> uh yeah dylan once we get as popular as jeff dwaskin then we'll stop telling people exactly where we live right uh, currently my address is just out there you can just come by and yeah. visit me hey, if you want to be on the show it's just free publicity for us right <laughs> yeah Jeff is just adjacent to uh, Detroit, which is yeah. cool. Uh, Jeff, uh, for people that for some reason might not know you, uh, what's your show about? Where can they find you? Sure, absolutely. Well, they can find me at jeffisfunny.com. The name of the show 
is the Jeff Jawaskin Show, live from Detroit, the Jeff Jawaskin Show. It's a humorous pop culture show. It kind of ties together all my favorite things, which are uh, pop culture, entertainment, and social trends. And I kind of pull those all together. I'm a social media guru kind of guy, kind of kind of a big deal on the socials. Anyway, but like, well, Twitter at least, maybe not the other ones, definitely not TikTok, but I'm there. Anyway, my point is I go, I have a podcast where I kind of pulled all my dreams together <laughs> and I interview all these amazing comedians and actors and we talk about all the great stuff that they've done. It's sort of like I consider it like my Comic-Con dreams come true. I get to talk to all the people who I used to go and meet at Comic-Cons and stuff like that. So it's real fun. And I ask them all the things that I've been thinking about or wanted to know. And then also I've done comedy, stand-up comedy. I'm a professional comedian. I've done that for over 18 years. So I called up a bunch of my comedy friends that I worked with, and they were kind enough to come on the show as well. So a lot of good conversations there. And just, you know, just having a good time. Just having a good time. Right on. That's cool. Um, do you think that uh, your voice helps with stand-up comedy? Because you have this super interesting voice that sounds like you're always working on like a uh, an impression of something. Um, is, is, do you, are, are you an impressionist? Do you do impressions? Uh, no, I don't do. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for proving. No, that. I, that was just me trying to do another voice. I can do. I can do like one second of um, Christopher Walken sometimes. Uh, but I can't, I don't think I can do it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. All right. That's okay. Yeah, I can pull off maybe a second or two of, of walking as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> two, two mice. You know, that's it. That's it. That, if that was even questionable. Two mice. <laughs> no, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh, go ahead, Dylan. No, I was just saying, um, your show, you tend to have a very good just kind of conversational flow. Have you done radio at all, or do you is that just kind of drawn from your experience being on stage doing stand-up? I think it's, it's, it's definitely, I have not been on radio, so uh -huh. it must be from the experience of being on stage and just having, um, you know, just kind of getting used to being on stage and being in the moment and reacting to whatever happens at the time. It's, it's funny because like I always say, when you listen to my show, you can listen to the beginning and the end and that you can chart, my comfort level and how much I'm getting necessarily better at doing it. But you can't do the same thing from the interviews because the interviews aren't released in the order that I recorded. Them. <laughs> so sometimes like an interview might be from months ago where, uh, you know, something may maybe I was just kind of learning what to do and stuff like yeah. that. You're just but, randomly wearing a Christmas outfit one episode soon. <laughs> right. It's released well, it's, in March. Well, it's funny because I find people, say, oh, you're, so, you know, you're really good at interviewing. And I think I'm just really good at letting the other person talk. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't try really to interrupt or talk over them. And I, cause I'm always afraid that like, if I interject, I'll break their train of thought or their flow and then they'll move on to something else. And a lot of times it's those tangents that bring out the, oh, you know what? You know what? You just reminded me of something. I never, I never said this before in any of the shows I've been on. You know, because you let them go a little deeper and you let them kind of free flow into that. So, you know, somebody's like, hey, you don't talk that much. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's I think it's my job as a host to listen. So sure. Uh Zach's having a little bit of technical difficulties, but he'll be back in whenever we can get him fixed. Um, we've definitely heard in other interviews and uh been kind of recommended that the best method is to 
let your guests just kind of speak and then you get the best content just having them kind of spin it out um has that ever actually not worked for you on a guest have you ever had those moments where you you have had to really kind of fill that air um i don't know if you want to name names but no you know thankfully i think thankfully i've always been worried about that that's what mm -hmm. i worry about before every show i don't worry so much about them not doing it i worry about me you know what i mean like and and will i get enough time so it's like i watch the time i kind of look at it like well, like when i'm on stage i always look at when i go on stage and i would do when i would headline and i would do say 45 minutes yeah i always i always looked at it as three 15 minute segments i didn't look at it as doing 45 minutes i looked at it as i built three 15 minute sets that i could put together that way if i did 30 minutes or 15 i could just pull from one of those or i could add or subtract from them. So that's what got me. So yeah. I knew at any point if I was tracking longer, because sometimes the same amount of jokes can take longer because the laughs are longer, something may happen. So like when I'm doing an interview and I'm like worried, like I'm watching the clock, it's only been five minutes. It's, you know, but once it hits like 25 minutes, I'm like, all right, it's okay. <laughs> I can no. just relax. Well, but yeah. At that point, it feels like you've probably had a pretty good conversation going, and then the questions just kind of generate them like themselves. Um, and, yes, yes, yeah. and the, and the more I think you talk to them, they'll be more com they're more comfortable mm -hmm. with you as well. So you know, it's when I'm talking to somebody, I always try and kind of keep it to I, if I can keep a thread going, I like to do that. Yeah, you know, like if somebody's talking about how they wrote and direct a, a series of movies, you know, at the end for them to start talking about, you know, something completely different to me, it's like it's the, the thread, it kind of, it's not, it's not like one consistent story. Like it, I've the many times I've cut somebody, I've kind of ended something, even though there was something else I wanted to go into because it just felt right the way it was. And that the other thing could be its own story versus just jamming a two minute version of it in. That, that sort of like through line you'll find, I think you find in interviews and pop culture in general is really important to keep people's attention. Because when you have that swerve, that's a really good point for someone's attention span to just disconnect and they lose interest. Right. Um, well, like I was right. And I, and I, and I believe there's like, there's like only so much time people want to listen. right? And so I think like anywhere between 30, 45 minutes, sometimes it can go an hour. It just depends you know, how interesting it's going and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I was talking to Jackie, the joke man, Martling, right. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking and we had worked together. So there was some, we already had kind of a little bit of a rapport beforehand, but, and he went to Michigan state university. So he spent time in Michigan. So we were talking and it, we kind of went down a path where he started talking about all these arrests that he was in. So we he just, we started going down this path and the episode actually ends with him getting on the Howard Stern show, right? And so instead of him kind of rushing through the Howard Stern time, because now we're already at like 45 minutes, 35 mm -hmm. minutes or so, because we had agreed it would be about 35 minutes. And then he came back and then we did one where we kind of just picked up and then it was it was kind of all Howard Stern that's gonna come out in the next couple of weeks. So it's, you know, so in that sense, you get much richer versions of the individual stories versus mm -hmm. kind of just jamming in some stuff. Welcome back, Zach. Welcome back. Hey, glad we're, uh, we're just talking about maintaining kind of a through line to make sure that people's attention spans don't uh, drift too far as it goes sometimes. 
Well, I'm glad I was here just right in the middle of that through line. Uh, <laughs> um, but speaking back to what you were saying earlier, Jeff, about giving the, the interviewee like, room to, to speak, that was one of the lessons that we learned early from Scott Curtis was you, you got to let them just kind of talk and you got to let them talk. Have you ever got to a point where you're letting somebody speak and that time kind of gets to like, this is kind of awkward. I like, how do you time that correctly where, you know, like they're definitely done with this or there might be something else. Well, I, I always kind of frame it in the, the sense of, am I satisfied with it? Meaning like, if, was I entertained you, when I, you know, I, I used to, I had this philosophy with photos, right? You watch people take photos all the time. Right. And like, they just take a million photos, especially when it became digital and you could, it was like, wasn't it always digital? No, there was a time when it wasn't. And uh, there was a time where you had to decide what 16 pictures am I going to take? Because I only have 16 <laughs> pictures on this roll of film. But anyway, but my point is, even with that, or even within the digital world, because it became something that you would collect, and then you would right, inevitably go, hey, hey, friend, hey, Zach and Dylan, you want to see all the, sh the pictures from my trip to Florida? And you're looking and you're like going, what is this? What is this? Right. And it's like, so it's like, I always think to myself, if I, when I go to take a picture, I think to myself, am I going to ever want to see this again? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so when I'm interviewing someone, I'm like, would I want to hear this? Would I want, would somebody find this interesting? Who has the same level of interest that, that I do in this type of stuff. And so that's, that's sort of how I think about it. Cause you can get tons of information out. And a lot of times people will talk. And I think one of the funny things about and I think this is just becoming a better podcaster, but in, we do it in comedy too. In comedy, when you're on stage, you're kind of talking to yourself in your head, even while words are coming out of your mouth in the sense that, you know, you're thinking what you're going to do next and all that kind of stuff, because you can, you know, it so well. When I, after a while doing um, podcast interviews, I realized you have to kind of be self editing in your head. Like if, if somebody coughs or like if the dog barked right now, I, if the dog barked, right, right, I would repeat myself so that, you know, so that I, that I could do, I knew that I would have an edit where I could take out the dog bark so nobody would hear it, right? I was, and so a lot of times people will be talking and if they go down a weird tangent, um, I just let it go because I, it, at some point I'll probably likely just edit it out you know? and they'll never even remember they said it anyway, right? So it's like, um, you know, we go from there, you know, so, cause you got to keep it interesting and you got to keep it, yeah. Keep it on pace. No. <laughs> uh, what, what was like, uh, have you had like a conversation that you had to edit that you really thought about? I mean, you don't have to tell us like what it was about, but like, do you remember like a conversation you're like, oh, I probably should cut this. It's just too long or something. Or do you keep kind of all gold in there no, no matter what? Um, it's hard to remember specifically what, what I cut or didn't cut, but I know like, if somebody, somebody said something once that I thought was questionable and I'm like, you know what, I, they probably don't realize they said this and I'm going to take it out because there's no reason to put it out there. You know, they, there was some kind of reference or something like that. And, you know, you got to be sensitive to that kind of stuff. You don't want to use words that are going to upset people. And, and so I did that because sometimes they get a little too comfortable <laughs> and they might say stuff to you that, they don't realize it, you know, is it going to turn around and end up, you know, in Africa, India, mm -hmm. and China. Yeah. You know I mean, so the, uh, the, you know, that kind of thing. So 
in that sense, you know, I do, I, if I had to protect them, I'll do it. Like they've said, I've had some people say certain things and I'll edit it out. But generally when I edit it out, it's like, you know, you didn't even, you wouldn't have even known it was there. Yeah. You got into podcasting because of stand-up comedy. Is that correct? I got into podcasting sort of as a result of not having to be able to do stand-up comedy anymore uh, due to COVID and just needing some kind of creative outlet. Right. Now, you've become uh, an award-winning interviewer at podcasting. And I'm assuming that before doing you know, podcasting, before uh, COVID, you didn't interview that many people. Is, so are you getting more into the interview side? Or like you think like once this shuts down, you're going to kind of quit podcasting, go back to stand-up? Or are you kind of really getting into interviewing people? No, I love, I love doing it. I, you know, one of the things I do is I, I record a lot. So if like, if I met a couple of people, I might do, you know, two interviews a week, three interviews in a week. I only put out one episode a week. So I have quite a backlog. And the nice thing about having a backlog also is it kind of allows me to create my own cadence. I'm not, I'm not at the, I'm not at the mercy of the cadence of whoever just said yes to me that week. You know, I mean, I because I, that way I don't get, you know, I did two comedians and then I did this guy who's kind of a, a parody um, Twitter personality. Right. And then I'm going to and then the next one is a comedian, but he's really a writer director that's going to come out tomorrow. So it's like so that way I can kind of control that. So I have a lot of the those in the pipe. So at any time, if my schedule got a little too busy where I couldn't interview as much, I have some leeway where I could still do it and still be well in advance the fun part to me is the beginning where i make up the the stuff in the beginning and then picking the hashtags that i read from that are relevant to the the hashtag trends and tweets from people that tie into the show in some way so i enjoy it but then also i thought to myself originally zach i was like oh i don't need to do stand-up anymore and then i what i thought to myself hmm stand-up could be a way to promote the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm coming thinking. together. <laughs> right. So then I was like, oh, yes, maybe that is the way to go. I'm going to do that. And then I'll go to Vistaprint.com. They're not a sponsor. And I would and I will get up some business cards made and I will hand them out at shows and say, hello, will you listen to my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so I do a work when I'm working on a cash register. <laughs> exactly. That's true. <laughs> Those um, peas are so delicious. They would be more delicious <laughs> with my podcast in the background. And, nom, 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 nom. and he hands them <laughs> in his two fingers like this. It's really yep. weird. Uh, so we do talk in upstream, and the point of this show is that we get to talk ourselves up to a streaming service, hopefully. That's what we're trying to do is just get ourselves a job uh, writing content. Would you say that it, is there a trajectory for your show? And if so, what would be like the pinnacle of what you're trying to do with your show? Um, yes, the trajectory of my show would be kind of like this. Great. You know, I, you know, I was like, it was one of those things like when I started, I was kind of like, Ooh, this is kind of just for fun. I'm really just having too much fun. I don't, you know, I don't have any real sponsors or anything like that. I mean, I make up my own sponsors every week, but, um, you know, that's part of the fun. You know, so I'm like worried, like, oh, what's going to happen if someone actually did start paying me, right? <laughs> so it kind of changes everything. You know, there is there is a difference when you're doing something for fun and then 
you're, you're beholden to somebody else mm -hmm. for it. So, however, I would love to kind of be uh, a humorous keynote speaker or a, you know, an MC at events and stuff like that. That would be something that I think would be super cool and fun and kind of levy leverage the comedy side of it. And then also, you know, cause that way I kind of, I look at like all my podcasts as sort of just a resume, you know, and here's, here's me. Right. And I could do that, you know, at your corporate show and you could pay me money yeah. to do that. I don't need to make money on per se the podcast per se, but you know, that kind of thing. So, and now you got me thinking about starting a, a streaming service. So. There you go. <laughs> what? You can, you can actually help us out in one of our other ventures. Uh, one of the things that Dylan and I do on the side is we, we're both ordained ministers and we do roast weddings. So instead of doing any religious whatsoever, we just trash people for a half an hour and then eat all their food. So Yeah, it's uh, great. <laughs> you want to hear something funny? I'm a minister too with the Universal. Um, hey, you all see? Yes, the life, the life Church. Is that what it is? The universal? Yeah. And so I, I officiated the wedding of someone who used to work for me. Do, do we have time? You want to hear a quick story? Yeah, go. Okay, so I called my rabbi to help me put together the service. Because even though it wasn't a Jewish ceremony, the beats are the same. You know, the beats are basically the same. And so he was helping me put that together, and then I used whatever they gave us. The wedding was on New Year's Eve, okay? That's important to the story. <laughs> so <laughs> the I'm, I'm like, you know, whatever. Hey, yay. I write up the whole service. I got a great service great poems, people, tears will be shed. And, and so what happened was, I think New Year's Eve was a Sunday, let's say, and then they went to get the license on a Friday. Well, the city was closed on Friday in observation of the holiday because it was on Sunday. So he calls me up and says, ha ha, funny thing, Jeff, I couldn't get the, the license. I said, oh, okay, whatever. You know, and I, I text my rabbi and I'm like, hilarious thing. They can't get the license. Well, my rabbi, who usually doesn't call me back that fast. Next thing I know, I've got three texts and four voicemails because okay? I must have stepped away for a second. And he's like, you got to call me immediately. And I'm like, oh, God. So I call him up. He's like, this is a major problem. And I'm like, why? Do you guys want to guess why? I'll tell oh. you. Okay, because anyway, I'm that. So here's the problem. The problem is it's New Year's Eve, right? So if I marry them on New Year's Eve, and then uh, the next year, which is the next day, they file their taxes and say they were married last year, I, as the minister, could be held accountable. I could go to jail. Fines were up to like ten thousand dollars, something crazy like that. It was ridiculous redonkulous okay because of this the literal date no right because the next day would be and so i had to rewrite so i had to have them sign literally sign something that says i understand we are not married okay and then i took all the bride groom stuff out of the out of the service at the end i was like uh you know and michael you may now and he just kissed her right so the funny part of it was Never mentioned bride, never mentioned groom, never mentioned marriage, nothing. Even there was a poem about children and stuff, took all that out. People still came up to me. This is where the world is scary. The people still came up to me and said, that was the most beautiful service ever. I can't believe it. Everyone in that room thought they were married. Okay. None of them didn't hear me not say those words. They all heard those words, right? Because 
the beats were all the same. Everything was kind of in place. It felt that way. So that was why what he was protecting me from, too, because had they filed for the return, there was 100 people in that room that would have sworn that those people got married and then I officiated a legitimate service. <laughs> okay. So flash forward a few weeks, mid-January, we're at a BlackRock. Don't ask me why. I think it was their first date. They have the literal certificate. I sign it. Just her mom's there and just his brother. I'm like, where's the rest of the family? And they're like, oh, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know that we weren't married on New Year's Eve. We never told my dad who paid for the wedding. <laughs> he, well done. <laughs> wow. All around. An epic almost wedding ruse. That's pretty yeah, good. But it was, it's like one of those things where you just, you know, you, it's, I don't believe that's in the universal life church manual of <laughs> things to look out for. <laughs> well, why do they make it? Why do they make it legally allowed to marry people that day? If you, if that, if that could be a thing, I wonder. No, as long as you have a license, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, because if, if they had, because if they had the license, they, it would have been no problem at all. Yeah, and so it was just the fact that they then didn't, and then there would have been liability on my part. <laughs> I find it interesting that people go to a wedding and a comedian hands them a letter like, hey, would you mind signing this saying this isn't really like a real wedding and that you're all right, I have to see your taxes. Well, <laughs> well thankfully, they were, everyone was on board with it because, you know, otherwise, I don't know. I don't know if I was going to even be able to do it. So yeah. it was like, you know, they were debating whether or not to, you know, they were going to do it. They didn't know if they were going to tell people. Yeah. You know, so but that was that's my interesting story. I never married anyone again. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I am available. I am available. With the three of us, we could all start a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. could join your thing. Oh, <laughs> you, can, you can join our thing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I got the license to marry my sister, and turns out that's illegal. So I now I just have this license thing. So. Uh, well, um, I also learned that you shouldn't say, I got this license to marry my sister. <laughs> you should... It's because I kept saying that too. Oh yeah, I married this girl I used to that used to work for me, and and everyone would be like, "Look at me, funny," because I'm married, and I'm like, "I'm sorry, I meant I officiated at her wedding." Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know, sometimes thing. words matter. Yeah, yeah. And the the roast wedding came up completely accidental. I uh, told everyone that I was an ordained minister and my friends were like, oh, that's perfect. Will you do our wedding? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I wrote this speech out and the mother of the groom was like, I need to read your speech just to make sure. And I'm like, that's, that does, nah, that's not cool. I don't really want that. And I got really kind of upset <laughs> about her critiques of my speech. So then I turned it into roasting her uh, at the wedding. So then I'm like, hey, this could be a cool idea. I'll just charge people to make fun of them, which is fine. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, being a stand comedy, I know that a lot of comedians will also transition and, and do acting or do other things. Was there things that you're also, did you ever audition to act? Have you actually acted before? I only did once. I talk about it on one of my episodes. I think I think it's a Dwight Turner episode, and I only because I I found the script that I had auditioned, and I redid it on the show. I re <laughs> because it was so bad. I was actually just telling someone about this. So I go in because Michigan was a big deal for a while with the incentives. So they were mm -hmm. doing a lot of stuff in Michigan, and so I went in, and it was like this kind of I don't know, you know, cool guy with you know the sweater over his, you know, like hip uh, preppy kind of guy, right? And 
I didn't know how to audition, you know, so they like would read the thing and I didn't know that they were reading the line, whatever. (laughs) And so it was horrible. It was horrible. And so bad I wouldn't sign the waiver. So God forbid they had footage. They didn't legally have the right to use it. (laughs) That's how bad it was. Oh, and I remember the worst part about it was I knew it was going to be bad. And I'm like, and I had to leave because it was just taking forever. It was like, you know, hours past the time they said it would be. And so in my head, I'm like, I need, I don't want to just leave because I think that would be rude if I ever wanted to do this again. And I said, but I'm nervous about telling them I'm going to leave because I think what I'm about to tell you is going to happen. Hey, I have to leave. Oh, we'll get you in right now. No, no, no. I'm not asking for any, any special. No, 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 Jeff. No, no, it's fine. We want, we're going to, we're probably, we're going to get you in right now. I'm like, not, not necessary. I understand. You got plenty of people here. I'm going to, I can go. I just didn't want to leave. And Jeff. We're gonna get you in right now. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I go, so I go in. It's the worst experience ever, and for me, I mean, and them, I guess, to have to watch it. And and so I get an email. It says we want you back, and I'm like, what? But different part, different part. And I'm like, well, that's insane. And so on the PDF, it said that they sent me. It says, nerdy TSA agent. And I'm like, my wife's like laughing at me. She's like, nerdy TSA agent. You went into as the preppy guy and they want you back as the nerdy <laughs> TSA agent. Sure, sure, sure enough. Not nerdy TSA agent. Double click on the PDF. Oh, that was short for a super nerdy TSA agent. <laughs> <laughs> so I go in and I say, all right, I'll go in. And so I go in and they're trying to, I could tell they wanted, they must have seen something. Because they they drag you know there was no reason I should have been back so there must have been something that they maybe thought was there and I tried and they were trying because they kept doing it again like two or three times and I was just like you know I feel like if I went in now I could I mean not that I would get it but I feel if I went in now I could have I could give it a better fighting mm-hmm. chance I like at least now I think I know what I would have done you know because sometime between that point and some other point something broke in my brain that would have allowed me to just let go like that. And so I, I have not acted since. <laughs> but you definitely could have nailed the super nerdy yeah. TSA. Super TSA. Nerdy TSA. No, I didn't even nail that. I didn't get, I don't think they ever made the movie. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, is that something did. you, is that something you'd be interested in trying uh, again? Like, are you interested in acting? I'd be interested in trying it. I, you know, as long as they were like, oh, we got someone just sitting there waiting for when you pass out and they'll step <laughs> in and, you know, but I would try it. You know I mean? I don't know if anyone wants, you know, me, but like if they did, yeah, I, I would do it. You know, if I could be one of yeah. those people, I always thought it'd be fun to like write though. You know what I mean? Like, like scripts or punch mm-hmm. up scripts, stuff like that. And you know, that, that would be, that to me would be fun. Like that would, I get, I do, as much as I love doing comedy, I do have a sense of joy when I can tell somebody to say something and they get a reaction from it. I do get a, a, an interesting sense of joy from that. So, but yeah, I mean, nothing's really, oh, wait, there's a knock on my door. No, there's oh. not. that did not happen. So but, um, <laughs> maybe after this, maybe after this, I'm putting it into the universe and here we are. Well, I mean, Dylan. have you, have you pursued, uh, creative projects like that at all even on your own time or is it uh completely kind of unexplored territory for you 
I wouldn't even know, Dylan, how to begin to do anything. So okay. yeah, that's it, it's it remains unexplored. I just assume don't people just call you? Then like get this is why I, I go wish. out. Of I always thought you just get discovered. Do you think anyone really wants these ears in a movie? Like they already <laughs> yeah. remade Dumbo. So I mean, I don't know that we need. I don't know. That we need. Hey, we got. Oh, we, only we you got a, a few years ago. Tim Burton was looking for you. They're to go anim- to go animated. Hey, we we will definitely write a part for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be in a movie, no problem. All right. I'm um, in. If if is there like a a like number one guest you would love to have on your show just for conversation's sake? Yes, I would love uh, Steven Spielberg or I would love Steve Martin. Good Steve combo. Martin's great, yeah. Now, would you talk to Steve Martin about music or about comedy? Because you can not do both. Mm-mm. Not music. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> your first reaction with Steve Martin would be music? Do you I've- know it? I've met Steve Martin in that context. So, okay. yeah. Okay. You know? No, I mean, Steve Martin was, you know, one of the first comedy albums I listened mm-hmm. to. The first, you know, I had him on vinyl. I, I actually have a, a picture of him. I have a Rolling Stone cover framed that he's on on my wall. And so, um, yeah, I think he would be the one person I'd be interested in because he's kind of done, he's done music. He's very, he's done some great things in music, but. He's also just, he's so funny and he's an author. He's a funny author. He's been in the movies. He's been stand-up comedian. You know, so those those aspects, I think, would be the most interesting to me. Yeah, I read his book, uh, Born Standing Up, and it let me know that I was not ready to be a stand-up comedian because he is way too funny, <laughs> and I'm not close to that. Um, okay, so Dylan, you ready yes. to get on with this? I am. You want to do Are what you? we do? Yeah, yeah let's so. do this. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Dwoskin. So what we do at our show is we're going to ask you one more question, which is we're, uh, we're going to pitch two ideas to you. You just got to pick one that you think uh, or you would like to see us work on or you want to make fun of us while we do it. Either one. It's up to you. Um, but before we get into all that, do you want to throw once again where people can find your show, that kind of stuff, where yeah, sell something? Sure. Uh, Jeffisfunny.com. That's my website. It's, I think it's right mm, right there. And then uh, <laughs> I'm not good at that, at the pointing. But uh, Jeffisfunny.com is my website. And from there, you can find links to Crossing the Streams, which is a live show I do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, The Jeff Dwoskin Show on YouTube. But everything you get to from Jeffisfunny.com, you can listen to all the shows. There's a button that says subscribe. It can click and take you to any of your favorite podcast apps. And so you can do that. Please subscribe. That's the greatest gift you can give me. I would appreciate it so much. And that will help launch me to fame and fortune. So thank you. But yeah, check it out. I'd love for you. And then talk to me on Twitter or anything like that. I love hearing from people. Mm. Right on. 44,000 Twitter followers. I lost a couple hundred, so like I'm like hmm. I'm just below forty four thousand now, and it's like oh, okay. bothering the living hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening, follow him on Twitter. Uh, okay, so Dylan, yes, I think your idea did not win last time. It did Is not. Is that correct? Okay, correct. So go ahead and repitch that. Yeah. So my idea I had last week, I'm not going to give a title because the only title we had was trash and a placeholder. Um, but it's a science fiction story where we kind of do like a Lord of War style thing where it follows the owners of a specific like laser gun 
that has been rigged to explode by some revolutionary agent of some sort. And there's the placeholder title right there, um, which will change. But it's a combination of maybe like The Moon is a Harsh Mistress and Gary Paulson's The Rifle novel. Yeah, so, so the, po- the point is that you, we, you follow a rifle and you know that it's going to, I guess, explode. Yeah. And uh, the, the tension is when and where and, and why. It's probably a series of vignettes following this like rifle as it changes owners. And then you have this no- knowledge in the back of your mind that when someone tries to use it, it's going to go badly. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Because honestly, I mean, Lord of War is a very good movie, but that beginning mm-hmm. is so encapturing. Yeah. Um, okay, so... <sighs> The idea, you, that, <laughs> the idea that I have, uh, I've been watching a lot of, uh, you know, you, you spoke of Tim Burton earlier, he made that one movie, Bright Eyes, and uh, I, w- I was into the idea of like a heist or scam movie. So I had this idea of a, some, some kind of scammer who uh, pays for a service and uses that information and to try to exploit money from other people that would like to have the knowledge of that service. Uh, so I guess we could say, um, probably the thing that's closest to me, podcasters. So let's just say there's somebody who's trying to exploit podcasters, uh, by having information that is very open for people, but they're still trying to exploit for money. I don't know what to call that. There's no placeholder yet. So we're just going to, we're just going to say, uh, um, scam. Let's see. Scam likely. Scam likely. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to call it uh, yeah, scam something for right now. Scam question mark. So, <laughs> uh, Mr. Jeff Dwoskin, 44,000 Twitter followers. I need you to make a very important decision right now. Which of these two stories would you like to see us work on? Uh, a uh, possibly explodable laser rifle and its lifespan or the idea of some sort of uh, uh, podcast scammer? <laughs> Well, sir, you put me in an interesting position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Couldn't imagine why. <laughs> oh man. So uh I think I think to keep us all um out of jail, I think I'm gonna go <laughs> I think I'm, I'm gonna let Dylan be a not a two time loser. And we're gonna go with the, the laser gun. All right, perfect. Don't feel bad on my account. I've gone five episodes once without uh, my idea getting chosen. So yeah, it, it, it took us forcing ourselves onto indie pod uh, the summit yes. to, <laughs> to do that one idea. Okay, so laser chaser is what yeah. we're going to call it for right now. Oh, sure. Uh, I guess. All right, dude. Laser follower is terrible. You know. I, yes, I do. Okay. Does it have to be a laser gun? Can it just be a gun? It, it could, could be, be a... just a gun. I think the conceit is that. When it's used, it's going to backfire dramatically. Yeah. So uh, a regular gun can work too. Yeah. I, f- I forget how it started as a laser. Which I don't is know. Fine. We're just super into Star Wars yeah. for some reason. Uh, all right, Dylan, before we get started, why don't you yeah. uh, pay the bills? <laughs> yeah, sure. What a way to phrase that. Um, that's, what, that's what like radio people say. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, so, hey, I want to give a shout out real quick to all of our supporters and our patrons. Uh, Scott Curtis of Behind the Bits Podcast, who was on the show. Uh, Sarah Tkachik, Tanya Sheck, and Listener App. You can find them at the Greatest Podcast app on Instagram, I believe. Uh, did I miss anyone, Zach? That's everybody, isn't it? That's of course, I, of course, IBM TV for allowing us this platform where we can go on every week 
and spend an hour and a half just spinning spinning our wheels such as yeah. it is that's true and if you happen to be on laser uh, <laughs> laser i just saw that i pointed to that word that's funny if you happen to be on listener app uh, a couple of shows do check out like dylan said behind the bits also check out scene snobs those guys are super funny and pretty yeah. clever they got a lot of cool shows going on up there and uh live from detroit mr jeff duoskin check out all that stuff on listener app and then you can actually read the words instead of hearing them which is pretty cool yeah okay so Gun chaser, laser chaser, yeah. something like that. Okay, so the, uh, you're you're thinking this is a like a standalone film, right? I, I guess there there has to be an ending point. Yeah, a standalone sequence at least. All right, story. Cool. Yeah. So let's just start out by saying this is a standalone something, um, and it's going to pick up with some sort of g- gun being manufactured, right? Manufactured or handed out or something like that. And one of the initial things that happens is that. It is sabotaged in a way that will make it ex- either explode or, you know, backfire magnificently against whoever's using it. Okay, so we're going to have the knowledge that there is a sabotage of some sort in a gun. <sighs> okay, Jeff, what What's are... the motivation? That's what I was about to ask you. What are some reasons that somebody would want to load a gun? They're working at a gun manufacturer. Uh, can, can you think, think of an idea before I go back to Dylan as to why they would want to cause this thing to catastrophic failure? They want to ruin the gun company because that gun was used to kill someone they know at one of these gun shootings. All right. So we're going to get back at a gun company. Uh, because some, uh, a product they made um, obviously killed somebody that is in their family um, members. Okay, Dylan, who do you mm-hmm. see as the main character? Now, do you see the main character of this being the person that made this gun? Or I guess the main character is the gun itself, correct? The, I, I would say that the, as far as characters go, yeah, it's probably the gun. Like we, we, I imagine we'd follow the gun through its owners or something. And every time we're always like, is this when it goes? Not quite. So I'm seeing a few different potential characters, but maybe um, if it's all in the like drive for revenge against the manufacturer, then I think that the first one we see, and maybe we come back to them throughout, is whoever actually carries out the sabotage or set this plan in motion. You're saying have like a two timeline or two storyline thing at the same time? Potentially, we could do that. Okay. So the person who's going to ultimately do... Uh, the, the big thing at the end, and then the gun itself. We see that. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that's cool. Um, and then, let's see. <sighs> How would an exploded gun uh, hurt a manufacturer? Mr. Dwoskin, what do you think? Because it would unintentionally, unintentionally kill the person using it. Okay. And that imagining... person has to be a high target or something, right? I would imagine it'd be high profile when it happens. Okay. Now, could this be like a prop weapon for like a movie and that's why it's bad? Or is this an actual weapon that for some reason a soldier has? I think if it was a soldier, you'd never hear about it. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm yeah. wondering how this person has this gun to make that big of, a, a, of an impact. And that's when I came up with maybe a movie prop. That might be kind of cool because if like Tom Cruise has this gun or maybe you don't know that it's a movie prop. But would a movie prop gun company have made a gun that would have been used in a school shooting? I mean, yeah, yeah good, good point. Good I'm, point. I'm starting to see 
some similarities to what happened in the crow if we're talking along this line you know with brandon lee rest in peace but like where the it was a gun that fired blanks and one of the blanks was improperly loaded and it was ejected and shot him oh, i'm starting okay. to see so, some similarities with that but yeah so if you turn that around and make this gun company like a prop gun company and somebody turns it into a real gun that'd be interesting well, then we'd, we'd need to change the motivation. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Oh. I mean, if, if the company itself is still uh, detrimental to this person who did it, they would still want to get revenge on this company, I think. What do you think, Dylan? I think, we can probably, I think we can probably still do a revenge story, but then I think we it's less a, it's less a story about just following the gun through owners and instead a story about trying to plant it in the right place at the right time. Okay. Which do you think is more uh, of an interesting story for this? I kind of like the idea of trying to plant it because that gives a really strong motivation for the main characters to follow out. And it gives us kind of like something to shoot for as opposed to watching it kind of land where it will okay. without a whole lot of agency from the characters. Cool. Okay, so we have a gun that now has uh, some kind of sabotage to it. We're following this gun as it goes to the manufacturer, to the gun sales, to blah, 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 blah. Somehow we got to figure out where this thing is going to end up and then also who's going to have it. So what do you think uh, about the person who's going to buy this gun or try to carry this out? Would we know that this is a bad person? I kind of like the idea that at first we don't know what the motivation is. We probably see them tinkering with it a little bit, and then they kind of put it away, and you're like, oh, that's strange. Or or we do the thing where we start kind of like at the end, and then we kind of tell it backwards, and then eventually reach the point where it's like, oh, this was sabotaged from the start. Cool. So who has this gun that's going to cause the most mayhem by it going off? Or we can rewind a little bit. <laughs> I'm 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 stuck on like a theater, like a theater performance. Maybe it's at like a like a high scale performance of like a like a play of some sort. Okay. And they they're trying to swap a prop gun for a real gun or vice versa. Hmm. But then the sabotage oh. doesn't normally doesn't exactly come into that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe let's get the whole prop gun thing out of the way. I just kind of okay. threw that out there just to see okay. if that was something or not. Uh, I, I understand what Jeff is saying because then I would really backpedal the whole uh, revenge plot. So we know that there is a gun and we know... <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's okay. We see why you're a professional now. Uh, we know that there's a gun and we know that the gun has to go off. Yeah. Somebody who is important and good has the gun. Is that true or false? Could it could be true? Um, like I said, the original the original idea was not very complex. It was like someone bad eventually is going to get this gun, so we, we want them to not be able to use it on the good guys. Sure. Okay. Um, cool. I kind I like the idea that it is kind of a targeted operation. I think that's a interesting way to take this. So if if the person sabotaged a gun for it to go off because of a manufacturer or whatever, and then a bad person actually got the gun to do something bad, and then it went off on them, which actually thwarted the crime, is that what you're seeing? That's kind of what I had initially envisioned on okay. some level. Jeff, do you find that interesting at all? That a bad guy gets hurt from Beyond. a bad guy? Um, 
Not sure. Okay. Not sure. Okay. That's okay. Um, okay. So the two things that we have going on right now is we can either go down the prop gun idea um, or just a uh, gun disaster. Now the gun disaster, my, my problem is that it is either a good person has this gun that somehow the person who sabotage it know they were going to have it so they have to be working for somebody specifically or they don't know who ha ends up with the gun they're just doing it to do it, it so <laughs> i don't know why this crossed my mind but i'm thinking back to all of those declassified cia stuff where they were trying like exploding cigars to kill castro what if this was a a, a like a straight up attempt by someone to remove someone specific okay are you saying like a politician Maybe? could be okay we could set it we, i mean if we set it somewhere part now, of the reason i had, oh. for the record jeff we assumed you were going to maybe pick the other one and we had a lot of stuff planned for that one so this one <laughs> <laughs> this one was one we just kind of feel in the back burner and be like well there's no way he's going to pick this one this seems kind of dumb uh, it's not uh, done. It's no, not done. Just we 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 we're, we're working on it, and uh, yeah. yeah the, it's, other it's obviously... too, the other one seems a little too raw for right now. No, <laughs> we have so many pre-recorded. This could never be aired. Who knows? Uh, I just wanted to get out some funny things that I needed to say. <laughs> uh, while it's also of working on a backlog. Yeah. See. <laughs> okay, so we have a gun disaster or a, or a prop gun disaster. I think I see this more as a short for some reason. Yeah. I find it to be like more of like a short film. It feels like it needs to be more fast paced. And I don't know if, if a long uh, format movie can actually sustain this for some reason. Um, so I think that it should be, yeah, just like a, a like a short feature film. Because if it starts with this, it'll be like a strong, just kind of tense uh, uh, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Okay. So I need your guys' help here. We got to make this story. So we have a possibility of a sabotage gun. We do know that it's got to end up with this thing going off for some reason. I mean, obviously the sabotage, but it has to go off either a good guy's hand or a bad guy's hand. What do you think? I, th I think maybe where we're struggling is it seems like it's a plot device to hurt, to stop something else. Well, I, it, it, it is just a plot device. We don't really know what it's going to stop yet. I, I'm trying to figure out where it goes off. I don't know if it goes off because of some reason or if it just goes off. I'm trying to figure out who's holding this gun when it goes off. Then we can kind of build a plot around that, I think. Okay. Do, we, do we want the person with the gun to be hurt or not? <laughs> we like this guy? We don't like this guy. So the guy, so guy is sabotaging guns. Is it just one gun or multiple guns? Right? I, so I, could... So I think that the idea of this story uh, comes from uh, the old Hitchcock adage of like the bomb at the dinner table, where like if there's a bomb under a table and you don't know the bomb's there until the very end of the scene, it's more like horrific, like, oh my God, there was a bomb there. But if you start the scene knowing that that bomb is under the table, then that entire conversation changes and turns into more tense. So I think the storyline is that you're following this gun where nobody knows that this gun is going to explode, even the audience member. So people either change hands with this gun or this gun's doing something, but the audience member knows at some point it's going to explode. I'm just trying to figure out if it should be a good story or 
interesting story or like a downer or we've gone dark before so yeah. I'm you know, going we shouldn't dark. be a, we shouldn't be averse to that yeah i had the idea what if it was what if a what if there's a guy who's trying to so i i this sentence popped into my head it's a guy trying to assassinate a public figure he goes to a, a guy to get a gun the guy with the gun has a vendetta against the would be assassin so he makes the gun like a rigged to blow so that way we follow the assassin then we know that he's gonna have that blow up in his face as like a long-term revenge plot by the guy who makes it so the okay so in this story the assassin goes to a gun maker who he works with i guess he knows that this guy has guns and now this guy has a problem with the assassin and he rigs the gun yeah okay uh, Jeff, you cool with that to start that off and let's uh, get, get this story going? Sure. Yes. Let's, I'm good with that. All right. Well, I don't believe him. Okay. Well, what's up? Yeah. Well, no, the <laughs> only, no, no. The only other idea I had in my head, which I think, I think I'm stealing from a different movie, but it's, um, where the, the guy gives them the gun and it becomes like the time bomb to make them do what they want them to do or it'll go off. But I think, I think that would, for some reason, I think that's. Well, I mean, if you remove gun and put a bus there, then it's the movie Speed. <laughs> yeah. Wait, okay, yeah. so so he has it, to be he has to be waving the gun around at fifty miles an hour. <laughs> so okay, so this person has a gun and they have to do something with this gun in a, a, an amount of time, or else the gun's going to blow up, and they know that. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that's any better than what. Because then they could maybe just put the gun down. <laughs> well, but then yeah, it could explode. That, that's true. Um, yeah, Dylan, where are we going with this? One of those things. It, it's like here. a cyberpunk style kind of like hand grip, where it's like if this doesn't detect human, like a heartbeat, it's going to explode. So you can't put the gun down. Cool. Okay, cool. All right, I'm into that. So it's back to being a laser then, kind of, because then, <laughs> then it's like, feel, I guess the gun's fine. It doesn't it doesn't really matter? Well, the gun's smart, there. Smart gun. Okay, so now this guy gets this gun in his hand, and he knows that this gun is rigged, right? And he has to do a mission or else this gun is going to blow up. Yeah, I think so. Okay. He has a, he has a timer to do it. And if his contact with the, the grip is broken, it's so he can't put it down. Okay. So the, guy, the guy's family member was murdered. And he finds somebody who was part of it. And this is the guy now that he's giving the gun. And he wants the guy with the gun... To kill all the other people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm into that. So, uh, what, what what do you see as the ending of this? Then we we don't like the assassin, obviously, because he's a bad guy. So it's going to blow off uh, his hand or something. Um, what what do we see the ending of this looking like? Because if if he's who's he after? Does that matter? I'm if I'm right, Jeff. What I'm picking up is. Um, a guy's family or something was killed by a group of people. So he hunts down one of them, gives them a gun, forces them into hunting down the rest of them where he's going to somehow, he's going to use his gun to blow them up. So I'm assuming that we're going to do some sort of like, it's hunting down his old accomplices after the fact. Yeah. Maybe a few years later. So he has to like go and actually find them and they're all scattered in a certain region. So then it turns into a forced V for Vendetta with a clock. It's not bad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. no, that's fun. 
Okay, so we know that this assassin goes to the same gun guy to get a gun. He goes there, and for some reason, the gun guy, who makes guns now, knows this assassin has murdered his entire family. So he rigs this gun. Once the, gu uh, the new assassin picks up this gun, uh, biometrics kick in, and it's like, hey, you can't put this gun down or else it's going to explode. And the guy's like, ugh crap and then the other guy's like hey just so you know also you have exactly five days to murder this list of people right make it make it like 18 hours so that way 18. he doesn't have to worry yeah. he doesn't have that's to worry it. about going to sleep and putting the gun down that's the name of the movie 18 hours 18 hours sure. that's that's catchy uh, laser chase is pretty good uh okay 18 <laughs> so you're really stuck on that you laser chaser that laser chaser has directed video written all over it 18 hours <laughs> as theatrical release right now directed I mean, by sean penn that, that's I don't fair know why. i mean honestly i'll take a to video movie right we now. should pick we should pick the any two numbers now we should pick like 17 hours because the seven can be a gun in the logo yeah Ooh. Yeah. okay that's cool yeah that's... <laughs> <laughs> okay we altered the entire and then we did we just cut out an hour because so we could have a better poster yeah, yeah. Right. So, um what if it's uh, main characters what if it's like 18 an hours in the O in the zeros in the middle of the eight crosshairs or a bullet yes. two barrels? There you go, boom. Oh, there you go, barrels. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll 17 or 18 hours, depending. I like on 17. That. Let's stick with that. 17 hours. Okay. okay. So once he gets this gun in his hand, he has 17 hours to destroy how many people, Dylan? 17 hours to destroy how many people? Six. Six people. A little under three hours per person. Okay. Who are these people to the gun maker? So I'm envisioning this main character as like an old, close to retiring mob enforcer who's like cool. doing his job, but not very like enthusiastically. And he's like, yeah, I hurt people. It's what I do professionally. And then this guy comes along and forces him to like make amends for it by hunting down everybody else. Cool. Who, who is he making these punt down? Who are these six people to the gun maker? Well, if we envision that he was a member of like any sort of um, what's coming to mind right now is what was the, what was the group name in Kill Bill? The Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, he's he was like a member of like a you know a thematic gang of tough people, and he's hunting down his former his former like patriot uh, uh, partners. Okay, so an old ex gang who murdered the gunmaker's family with the help of. Uh, this old mobster guy, right? And then for some reason, this old mobster guy goes back to the gunmaker and he goes, I need one last gun. And the gunmaker's like, God damn it, you and your people killed all my people. I've been trying to retire, but they keep pulling me back in. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, I got the perfect thing for you. And yeah. he opens up and he opens up this briefcase that shines straight silver for some reason. And he hands him this gun and like this thing just whips out and like uh, things go down into his vein. And it's like, boom, 17 hours. And the guy's like, right. 17 hours for what? He's like, it's going to blow off. He's like, yeah. dang. All right, that's cool. And then he just hands him like a, a, like a USB drive. And he's like, this is all the information you need. I get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> okay, but, but there's a scene where he's like, you got 22 hours. And he goes, oh, shit. When he's like, what? What is it? Never mind. You got 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that scene's right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 22 to 17 hour scene. Um, well, which one is it? Which one is it? I need to it's know. A, it's, the guy, the comedic, it's a comedic relief scene. Yeah. yeah. And the guy's like drawing 22. He's like, this doesn't look like two guns. Let's just stick with 17. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a second gun. 
Uh, okay, so now uh, right here is where he picks up the gun and all that stuff goes in and that's when the clock starts. And that's what this symbol is. This is the clock starting. And we know that he's got six people to destroy before the gun goes off. What do you think happens if he does destroy the six people? Does the gun let go? I think it goes off anyway. Just blows up early? <laughs> or it... Well, he's probably, told, it, he's, probably, he's probably told that it's like, it'll just take his hand off. Right? Because, like, I mean, like, he, he's going to want... Like, if, he, if this, he needs motivation, so the only reason he would kill them is so that the gun would come off. Whether right. this trick ending or not, where the guy, you know, doesn't, you know, kills him anyway or whatever, but he has to think something's going to happen. Otherwise, yeah. we'll be, otherwise, he would just say, well, all right, screw you. I'll just die in 17 hours. Or right. shoot him there. Like, so, the, so, the he, so he thinks that his punishment is the fact that he has to go back and hunt down and, and kill these professional assassins. All right, cool. And then obviously, it's going to go off the second he does it anyway. So that's our ending, right? Our ending is the last gun shot into the last assassin and then the gun blowing off, uh, going off anyway. Is that right? Right. And maybe, the yeah. mo maybe this mobster has got family or something. That are in danger. Ooh. I mean, he's got to have. He's got to. He's got to be have a reason to go kill all those people because yeah. they. Probably... Well, yeah, that's true. Some some of the people that they're he's asking he's being asked to kill are probably like very bad people, and I figure, what if one of them is like a retired? They retired early, and now they've got grandkids, and he has to go do that quiet moment where it's like he's hiding the gun in his jacket because he can't. He like knocks on the suburban like home like door and it's like a white picket fence and his wife answers and it's like, is Marty here? Oh, you haven't been here in five years. And then he has to like wander around the house with a gun in his pocket. He sits down to the table with the guy and it's like, well, they have that moment where it's like, I always knew something like this was going to come. And he goes, yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> not, to, yeah. not, to, not to twist it, but here's here's another idea. Is um, it's not a mob guy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a nerd or a geek, and he's it's a bully high school revenge story. Where, but it, later in life, and like think the Steve Buscemi character from one of those Adam Sandler movies where he was crossing him off, but like uh, like that's the movie. So, but like, so he, the the dork does the same thing with the gun, but he has to kill all the other bullies. Oh. And okay. so, and then, and then uh, wait, what know, kind of bullies were they? Were they like the upside down swirly? Yeah. And now yeah, they got to murder them. I figure eighties, yeah, eighties yeah. semi homicidal bullies. You know how yeah. bullies in the eighties weren't afraid to like try and hit people with their cars. Yeah, or like they had a pipe and like I'll see you at three o'clock. Yeah, and you're like, what's the pipe for? I'm a punk. And that does that does make it so that we kind of root for this guy while also being like, this is not how you should go about your problems. Okay, so he is a, an ex-bully, and he was in a group of also other ex-bullies that are probably still bullies. Maybe they were the football team. I like it. I hate oh. all football players. Uh, all right, so... Uh, <laughs> it's a healthy, healthy attitude right there, right there Zach. <laughs> well, well, look, all I was trying to do with this show is get some stress out. That's all I chose, the one idea. Now I'm going to yeah. get my stress out on football bullies. It's okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, so now we have old bullies going into a gun shop, and one of the bullies used to bully the gun maker, right? And the gun yeah. maker's like, I'm sick of this. Or he's, an, I, he's, a, he's a huge nerd, and he like edit, makes it himself or something like that. Yeah, super nerd. And he's like, now you go and you kill the rest of your football-playing bully friends, or else this gun's going to 
blow up. Right? Right. Oh, and maybe okay. maybe the one the one bully that he gets has a pacemaker. And so like the gun it can connect to the pacemaker and then he has his little remote control so he can kind of screw with the guy's health too. Hmm. Oh interesting. Okay. Things just got interesting. So it's like if you put this gun down or don't kill someone every three to four hours, this gun will make your pacemaker stop. All right, that's cool. Dylan, write that down. I am. I'll actually, I'll write it down. <laughs> okay, so now we know that the gun is attached to the pacemaker. And we're killing bullies. <laughs> On the old football team. Yeah, cool. All right, so who was like the main one at the very end? Is that the quarterback? Is that fair? Or was it like it turns out that it was like the old coach who like taught them all how to bully because kids need good role models? Kids these days are too soft, so the last target is the old football coach. I tell you, it's PC culture gone mad right now. <laughs> so the old decrepit football coach who is now about 80 years old, he's the last bully. He runs a car uh, dealership on the edge of town. Right. Coach. Oh, God. Cool. Okay, so who are some of these other football players that we're going to eliminate? We have a quarterback, right? That's probably cool. So if I'm, I'm imagining this is kind of like a small town deal, if football is that important. Yeah. Which is why... I don't know. Maybe none of these people actually left their hometown. This is mm -hmm. the nerd coming back for like a reunion or something. So I can justify everybody being back in town so he can kind of mm -hmm. run into old flames and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. The last, the last scenes, the last locations, the easier it is to make. Yeah, yeah. That's true. All right, Dylan, why don't you quickly just run through what the story is right now? Just so we can kind of okay. see <laughs> where we're at. Okay, so I'm going. I'm going to make a few assumptions based on what we've talked about right here. Yeah, it is a f ten years after this small town high school has graduated. It's you know the ten year reunion. Pass that twenty five. Twenty five year reunion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> bunch of people are coming back, including the old football team who remembers being uh big deals in town because it's a small town so the local like the regional championships are a huge deal to get noticed here um the main character somehow comes in maybe he's uh reaching out <coughs> to a kid he used to bully or the kid he used to bully reaches out to him and he goes to meet him and maybe they have a strange mutual connection over firearms or something like that so he somehow gets his hand on the gun and the gun immediately like beeps in or something like that like illuminates and shows a timer and the kid he used to bully is like hey you made my life a living hell uh so you have 17 hours to kill the old football team they're all back in town you got 17 hours the guy goes well i'm not going to do that because well if you don't the gun is going to explode in your hand and cripple you for life because if he's a football player he probably values his physical ability so we make it so that a it blows his hand off and then he has a pacemaker inside so it will shut your pacemaker off and make you die as well um so you don't want i guess won't have to worry about being crippled but that's okay um i'm imagining then we have a sequence of him going through town awkwardly concealing this gun um and i'm he probably does does he successfully carry out any of these murders Oh yeah. Or are we trying to Okay. I didn't know how sympathetic we were trying to make this character or not cuz none at all. None at all. Okay, no, so he's totally he's a bully. cool. He's totally cool going through and killing all of his old classmates. He's um, got to. And then I imagine there's one scene where 
he goes to the house where he lives and his like his wife answers or his kid answers and he has to conceal the gun on his person. And then you have that tense conversation where he's got it under the table or something like that. Maybe the dog starts licking his hand, so you know. Um, he successfully carries out a few of these. And I'm imagining the last scene is like at the reunion. Like it timed out just perfectly where if he doesn't get them all early, his last chance is when everybody is gathered at the reunion. Yeah, that's cool. I also had this idea that maybe one of the six previous bullies found out about the plan and actually went to the house to kind of stop it. Yeah. He's like, can you please come home? Uh, uh, Johnson's here. And it's like, Johnson. And he looks at his list and he's like, God damn it, Johnson's on my list. And he's got it. Yeah, then he's got the family thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. And then it ends with the old coach uh, who needs to be taught a lesson anyway. And uh, we are rooting for this main guy, I guess, a little bit. Uh, even though he's going to just die at the end. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. A lot of flashback scenes. So you go, I, um, I would imagine you got a question. I, I would say it's the 20th reunion. I think the 20th is your more popular reunion. Before 20 over 25? Yeah. All right, cool. 20th yeah. reunion. I like that. You have a 20th and a 25th. That feels really close. Yeah, I think it's usually 20th and then 30th is like at the bottom. Yeah. 20th yeah, is like really? a big deal usually. Yeah. 25th is not like a thing? No. I don't think so. That's like a quarter of a century. It seems like a big yeah, thing. It might be like a mini one or some people. Oh, it's a tiny one. All right, cool. So 20th. That's cool. All right. So this is like a little bit gross point blank, a little bit forced V for Vendetta. Yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that. Uh, Jeff, were you bullied in school? Did I, is that where this came from? Not, not to this extent. No, I was just, I just was trying to take it to. I was trying to, you know, we got to write what you know, right? I'm guessing we're, we might know more about that than the mafia. I mean, I'm sure. Dylan's yeah. from the deep parts of Michigan, and I'm from Maryland, so uh, there's, yeah, no mafia. Yeah, you're right. No. You're right about that. <laughs> Northwest Ohio doesn't have much of a mob presence. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Dylan, what do we got to fill in here? We got, we got, we got a little bit of time left. Yeah, we got to get the targets, and we got to have clever ways for this to be dealt with while he doesn't take his hand off the gun. All right. Uh, I think the first, the first one is probably either really simple for him. Like he just like finds him in maybe like his, maybe he's eaten like, I don't know how he gets a hold of him, but I'm imagining no, he literally, like, he literally leaves the gun place and gets a text message from the first guy. And it's like, bro, I'm back in town. Let's rage. And he's like, easy. And then they yeah. meet an Applebee's. They rage at an Applebee's. They they meet they meet at an Applebee's because obviously okay. everyone likes boneless wings for some reason. Well, I mean, in, if it's a small movies. town, they probably have an Applebee's nearby. Yeah, of course. So they <laughs> they meet at an Applebee's for some cheap margaritas and boneless wings, and that's where the first one just gets dispatched quickly, and he dips. And which one is that? Which which football player is this? Uh, like by position. Well, I would assume like position would dictate like who they became in life, right? Like quarterback is some kind of uh, fake politician guy, uh, wide receiver. Uh, they probably run some kind of hardware store for some reason. Uh, <laughs> what are other I football? Don't know what football positions do. Hmm. <laughs> Beyond like the quarterback is the guy that you cast as the male lead. Yeah, I know that much. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Jeff, well, do you know football terms? Are you sporty? Look at Jeff. He's he's sporty. He's got Hike. a baseball hat on. Hike. Okay. All right. So it doesn't matter what their position is. Uh, <laughs> I guess it. So they they all were successful because of 
football in high school and they all did yeah. like a little bit more. So they're kind of bigger known people. And that's why everyone kind of knows that they're being missing or something. So like, hey, have you heard that uh, uh, Jeff's back? And it's like, dude, I heard Jeff got murdered. I'm not using, I'm not you, Jeff. Jeff, like just because that's like a, a boring football player name. That's all. Uh, Chad. <laughs> Chad, perfect. All right, so Chad is first. <laughs> Chad Brochill. Chad Brochill. <laughs> he changed his name. Um, all right, and then who, who else are some of these targets? Who are we trying to get rid of? Um, so what I have down right here, I've just been jotting some ideas. <laughs> First target is his rage buddy from when he was younger and partied. He gets shot outside in Applebee's. Second one, uh, just never really kept touch, but he uh, owns a local hardware store, and he, you know, somehow tricks him into going into the back alley or something and gets him there. The third, the third one is at the house. I think that's where the house scene is. And the fourth guy is there already because they were like, maybe they were, you know, bro, you know, heterosexual life partners. Like, you know, it was like two bros living together. So they're back in town connecting and it goes to the house while they're both there. And then that could be a little bit of like a knockdown drag out fight because he, yeah. he shoots one of them, doesn't kill him. Other guy charges and we have a fight between them and he eventually does do it. But that's yeah. when the veil kind of drops. Like that's when he's like, I got nothing for it now. I got to finish this or else, you know, no matter what happens. Um, I figured the fifth one would be like a nice, be like a reformed, like nice person and maybe like does some charity work or something like that. So that way he, he's like, he gets out the, he gets off the adrenaline high of killing these two guys who are bad. And then he immediately has to go find a dude who is doing good work in like the community or something like that. And he does it anyway. Yeah. And then the last guy is probably the coach at the high school reunion. Maybe yeah. they won a championship 20, 20 years ago and it coincides with the high school reunion where it's like, you know, not a lifetime achievement, but whatever small towns do, they're naming the workout center after the coach or something. Yeah, that's cool. And then like, as soon as he dispatches the last coach, he calls his kid. Right. And he's like, Hey, it looks like I'm actually going to come home a little bit early. And he's like wondering why the gun's still stuck in his hand. And then he gets a text message from a guy and it's his own name. And he's like, what? No. I got to kill myself. Oh. Or something. Should have seen this coming. <laughs> yeah. okay. But he, but, and the gun starts beeping and he's looking at it. And it, do we leave it ambiguous as to whether he does it himself or leaves the timer to run out? Yeah, of course. Uh, we don't, hear- get, we don't. Gunshot fade to black. We're not going to do that. Yeah. We Gun- don't stop believing in the background. The, <laughs> Well, that's not been done before, so I'll take that. <laughs> What's another? So, so this is kind of like Glee, but for uh, a, okay, a show choir kid hunting down football players. Here's another idea. <laughs> sure. Okay, no, go for it. Let me flip the whiteboard. The other idea is that the football team decides that they they rob a bank in high school and they hide it in the trophy and they decide the 20th anniversary is when they're going to split it up. But then one guy decides he's going to take it all. So he starts hunting them all down and killing them. I know it removes the gun on the hand story. I love it. <laughs> but it, I'm writing this down anyway. But no, it, uh, it, it, it works as a, as a B plot line. We'll keep the gun in the hand. And that's why everyone's back in town trying to get to this thing. Because, I mean, most likely people aren't going to go to that. So, no, I think that's a, very, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, and we will definitely fold that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dylan, what are some of our scenes we got to work on real fast? Um, we got to get down kind of specifics as to how these people are dispatched and what happens, if anything, between these. Because if we're doing a short, I don't know that we need a whole lot more than like, yeah. like just I one think, after the other. 
Yeah, I think we just got to work on the gun maker. So we know that he yeah. is. Uh, was he still bullied by the by the high school team in this bank robbing story? Right, he still is. I figured. Yeah, why not? This is he, this is completely ancillary to their plans on coming back in twenty years. All right, cool. He knows. He's like. He doesn't know they did a bank thing, but he just goes. There was no chance you guys were gonna miss your twentieth. You guys were so into it in high school. You'd come back and sh shove it in everybody's face. And then yeah. he's like, "Well, we are all back in town, but I guess that's that's not why." Oh, obviously, he doesn't let that slip. But yeah, maybe at some point he does learn about it, and it throws an additional wrench into the plan. Like he shortens the timer or something. Yeah, that's cool, Jeff. Or, um, who, who do you see as an actor for uh, the main nerd uh, uh, gunmaker guy? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, the guy from Big Bang Theory, um, not Sheldon. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> not Sheldon. And not okay. Howard, the uh, the one from Roseanne. Oh, da David. Uh, Johnny Kalecki. Yeah, da <laughs> oh, David. Okay. David from Roseanne. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Dylan, who do you have? I was thinking Paul Dano. Oh, that's not bad either. That's actually kind of skeezy. Yeah, which one, Paul Dano? Uh, uh, have you seen Swiss Army Man? No, TJ Miller could be good too. Yeah, I'm not sure TJ if he's Miller back. Be I'm not sure if he's back yet. <laughs> I think he's still sitting in Cancel City. Um, he's, I like he's the kid, and there will be blood. Um, he's going to be the Riddler in the new upcoming Batman movie. Yeah, okay. he was in a uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Got it. Oh no, yeah, I mean TJ Miller from Silicon Valley. Yeah. You no, know, I, I know who's I want. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the the bomb threat guy. <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> method acting. Uh, all right, I like Paul Dano. I don't know if he's old enough, but it'll work. Uh, okay, so who who do, what kind of actors do you see being some of these um, action star football players? Well, how old are they? That... Twenty year reunion, so they're thirty seven, somewhere between thirty seven and forty. Paul Dano's 36. Perfect, so, dude. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know too many. You got like a, Zach, like a Zach Efron, right? That seems like one of these cats. Yeah, yeah. That works. <laughs> I think the whole cast of High School Musical, we just make no, it. No, Yeah, I just don't know who they are. Uh, <laughs> no way Seth Rogen is 38 years old. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Oh, Seth. Yeah, he's 38 years old. All right, perfect. All right, which means we can throw the, the Apatow crew in there. So this yeah, is yeah Fran this is, Franco can be in there. Yeah, Franco, yeah. yeah. He's a good uh, quarterback. All right, cool. So this turned into a Judd Apatow-style comedy uh, about a weird bank robbery that happened in high school that uh, 20 years later they were trying to come back to gain their reward. Also, they were bullies, if no one knew that. So one of the people they bullied constantly now runs a gun shop, and when he found out that they were back in town, he posed his little threat to blah, 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 set up this gun to go with a pacemaker. And he was given 17 hours, almost 22, but definitely 17 hours, to commit six murders. Maybe seven, we don't know yet. He gets yeah. through this pretty quickly. I'll say this whole thing probably takes like 20 minutes, this whole, like this whole short, like 25 yeah. minutes seems pretty cool. It just rushes pace along. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I think that's cool. Uh, I, I think that it needs to be, uh, we need to tweak a couple of these little elements here. Uh, now that there's a bank robbery in there, I, I like that. We just got to hone I that think, in a little bit. <laughs> I don't think we reveal the bank robbery until later on. I think I th every time he, every time he goes to a target's place or is near to it, we get a flashback and eventually through the flashbacks, we get the reveal that they're all in town to like 
get this money out of the trophy. Yeah, because every flashback, you just see the fight, the football players say, see you in 20 years, we'll see you in 20 years, a 20 mm-hmm. reunion, blah, blah. All right, that's cool. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Did, did, someone, did someone beat them to the trophy? Do it, In the last shot of the movie, do we learn that someone has already taken the cash out of the trophy? Yeah, it was obviously the the bully though, or the the bull. Wait, if the, you're if you're the, the, the one, yeah, if you're the one who's bullied, yeah, what are you called? Just a nerd. victim. <laughs> Friggin' nerd. <laughs> All right, Dylan, what else do you want to work on this? We had um, like we had like two or three minutes left. Yeah, I don't know. I think other than just kind of fleshing out the specifics of how, I think it's important to figure out how he gets each of these people either alone or in a position where he can kill them without it immediately drawing attention and wrecking the sequence. Mm -hmm. Like, however he, you know, they go to Applebee's and maybe he's ordering him a whole bunch of shots or something. And he's like, I don't drink, but I'm more than willing to bankroll yours. And so he, you know, gets him to drunkenly go out behind the restaurant or something. Hardware store owner. If like, maybe he's trying to, like, I got a cabinet. I I got my truck out back and I'm looking for a, really specific kind of coupling or something like that, but yeah. I don't know how to describe it. So he tricks him into coming outside or something like that. Classic probably, coupling ruse. Yeah. Right. The cl- um, the classic coupling ruse. Probably. Um, well, who, who also, who's the main guy? Like, what, what do we know about this guy? Like the guy who's doing all the murders, like we have to feel bad for him at some point. So yeah. is, he, is he from this town? He's from the town, but I think he left town after high school. He went to, went to college far away or, yeah found success outside of college or something like that. Yeah, kind he's, of, you're right. He's a super successful person. Cause yeah. he, he's why who doesn't need to do this, which, which is why he's concerned, which is why forcing him into this is really ruining his life. Cause he's been successful independently. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Perfect. It's probably got a family of some sort that we see him communicate with in a, in a loving way. Just, yeah. to hit, just to punch the gut a little harder. Now, do we want to do that cool retroactive thing that I always try to throw in most of our stories where it turns out that the gun owner's dad was the bank owner that they robbed from, which is what put them into turmoil to begin with? Or is we that could. Matter? I don't know if it matters a whole lot. It might... I mean, if we need to explain why he's so good at tinkering with this kind of stuff, it might Maybe. help. Like, you know, he went to technical school. Maybe that's why he was bullied because he was poor because his family lost all their money in a great robbery. Or his family just refuses to help him out. They're like, no, we're not giving you any money. And so they're like, hey, you rich family don't even want to help their kid out. Something like that. No, that's great. Uh, all right. I think that's it. I think we got, I think we got this one done, which is cool. Okay. So before Dylan wraps this, uh, what what, you got something? I was just going to say, we'll add it to our little uh, increasing library of, messed up twisted small town antics yeah yeah one day we'll start this universe and yeah get all these things going um but you're just watching another weird story made by some nobodies with the help of jeff jeff dwoskin uh i've been zach this has been dylan over here on this side uh jeff before we get out of here do you want to tell people one last time where to find your stuff yeah thanks i had a great time zach and dylan and thank you everyone for hanging with us uh jeff is pretty much you can get to everything from there and get to links to my live show on youtube from there crossing the streams my podcast live from detroit the jeff duoskin show it's all there jeff is for all your podcast needs 
Right on. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And if you want to see uh, how this thing works and what we're doing with this and, and how uh, the duration of, uh, of, of this process is, please go to somenobodies.com and check out what we're doing and everything we have done. You can see a bunch of weird shows like our hit show, Silicon Angels, which nobody knows about. And also Podcast Podcast, which is a very weird show. We find very, very bad podcasts. Find all that and more up here. You can go to patreon.com backslash somenobodies if you want to help us out, fund some of these movies we're trying to make, or just give me another whiteboard. So I have to stop wiping these things off. I'm going through a lot of wipes. It's pretty impressive. Uh, but please, if you're on Listener app or any other app thing, check out Jeff Dewaskin. It's that guy right there. He's got some cool shows. He gets great guests. He is a way better interviewer than we are. And oh, Dylan, you forgot to ask him your favorite question. Actually, we'll have oh. him on again. We'll have him on again. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, until next time, folks, thank you very much. Dylan, I appreciate you. Thank you for being my friend. You are the coolest person I know, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you, Zach. And, guys, thank you. International Broadcast Media Television. Have a great day. Thank you guys very much. Bye. Thank you.